Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. So good morning again, and happy Father's Day. Oh, I want some more energy. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Yay. Can all the men just stand? Let's see you. Please just stand. Let's see all the men. And all the ladies, can we just give them a huge round of applause? We want to celebrate you this morning. Well done. ACC men. Thank you. Thank you. Have your seats. Okay, so today we are celebrating our fathers, our men, and I just have a brief message of encouragement for all of you this morning. Um, We just want to acknowledge you, we want to say we really, really appreciate you. We know we don't say this enough, we don't say it often, and this morning we want to clear any doubts in your mind that we love you, and that you are heroes. And we should say it more often, shouldn't we? But today, we want to expressly tell you that we really appreciate all that you do. And you do it silently. You do it without complaining. You do it without grumbling. And we want to say that we appreciate you and all that you do. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to come before you. We thank you that today is Father's Day. And as we celebrate our men, we pray that you be with them, you protect them, you empower them, you strengthen them, you guide them, you provide for their needs, O God, as they protect us, as they support us, as they guide us. May you be their source. May you be their strength. May you be their everything, O God. Fill them, Lord, with all that they need. You know what each and every one needs, O God. And I pray that they will find you. They will walk with you. They will know you and know your abundance, your love, O God, and all that you have in store for them. May they, Father, reach the full potential, O God, that you've set before them. And I pray that they will be the talk of town, our ACC men. We thank you for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So today we want to talk about the powerful man. (laughs) The powerful man. And um, in our era, in our modern day, when we say the powerful man, what do we think about? I think the first thing that comes to mind is what? Maybe a rich man, a wealthy man, a man who can command a lot of resources, isn't it? Because such men are really, really respected in our society. They are considered powerful, powerful men. They have unlimited resources. They control, you know, a lot of money, if I should just put it bluntly. Or people who are highly successful in their career. You know, everybody knows them for something in particular. You know, so, you know, we have our Jeff Bezos of the world. You know, you mention their name and something huge just comes into your mind. You mention Bill Gates, something huge just comes into your mind. Elon Musk, you know, such people... You consider them as powerful men. They, 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 they have a say in the world. When they speak, in fact, when they cough, it makes the news, you know, and sometimes 
we see these people as really, really, really powerful men. What are the standards we use to determine who a powerful man is? Is it their looks? You know, when we're growing up, people say, oh, I want to take tall, you know, with muscles, biceps and triceps, six pack and what have you. Is that what is powerful? So when you see the men competing for uh, Mr. Ghana or Mr. World or whatever, you see all these and they can lift all these powerful weights and, you know, flex all these muscles. You know, is that, is that what we consider as powerful? You know, some people think that the powerful man is, you know, the one who is the stallion, who can last for one hour. Just come to Ghana, all the aphrodisiacs that they are selling. Who is buying these things? And why are we buying these things? Is it because it's, it, it tells of how powerful you is? That, is that the standard of power, you know, for men? Someone compiled a list <laughs> of all the aphrodisiacs just in Ghana, and the list was long, I tell you. Very, very long. But you see, these things sell because they connote some sense of power. People feel that, you know, if I can do this, then yes, I'm a really, really powerful man. But is that what God considers a powerful man? What does God consider when he's looking at men? And who does he consider as a powerful man? In Genesis chapter 2, we read the account of how God created man. And when God created man, he filled him with so many attributes. But today we'll focus on just one of these, you know, because of time. So in Genesis chapter 2, from verse 19, it says that, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Amen. Do we see what is going on here? Whatever name he gave the creature, that was its name. And that right there is the power of a man. The ability to name things. Amen. It says that God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. I think God could have named them himself. He could have just given the animals names. Why did he bring them to Adam to see what he would name them? And anytime I read that account, I always wonder, how did Adam remember all these names? Like, they bring all these nameless animals to you, and by the time they leave you, they all have a name. How was he able to do that? When we were growing up in school, those who did a bit of science, you know this thing, classification, right? It was a whole topic on its own, just naming things. It was a whole topic. And <laughs> naming things means that you put things of the same features together. You try and see their qualities, and you see their features. Oh, all oh, these are cats, and these are this. And so many things go into classifying and naming things. And Adam was able to give each animal its name. And when you're naming things, it's, it's, it's not that easy because, you know, the common thing that we call mango, right? When the scientists are naming, they say what's mangifera. In, I mean, the names are crazy. But it's because it follows an order and a system of classification, putting like things together. And for us human beings, a name is more than just a name. It gives you an identity. It gives you a purpose. 
it makes you unique. Your name makes you unique. It makes you different from any other person. Names are significant because they define us. They give us an identity. So just picture this. All these nameless animals being brought to Adam. But by the time they left, they each had a unique identity. They got their purpose. They got a vision for them. So they now knew that, ah, I'm a lion. And when we say lion, what comes into your mind? Strength, power, authority. The birds came. He named one an eagle. And when we talk about eagles, what comes to mind? They rule the air. They saw higher than any other, above, from above circumstances, above the winds. Adam gave them an identity. Adam gave them a purpose. Adam gave them a vision for just something that defines them, something that makes them know who they are. And that is the power of a man that God has put in every man, that you have the ability to name things. And whatever you name the thing, so shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, where does man get this power from? How did man get this ability to name things? Of course, came from his creator, God. Because when you keep reading the Genesis um, accounts, you realize that God himself named things out of nothing. When we go to Genesis chapter 1, From verse 2. From verse 1 talks about how the world was formless. It was, there was nothing in there, you know. And God began to name things. He began to make the sky. He divided the vast expanse. And he called this one sea and this one sky. And he called this land. And he called this. And whatever name he gave it, that was its name. Just like Adam, who named all the animals that were brought to him. And we get that from God, don't we? Because he created you and he puts that aspect of himself into you so that you too can name things out of nothing. Visionless, purposeless, <laughs> directionless things that come to you, leave you filled with purpose, filled with vision, and filled with direction. Amen. We see God doing this a lot in the Bible. Let me just remind you of a few of them. In Genesis chapter 17, from verse 4 to verse 5. My um, electronic Bible is giving me issues this morning, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. So Genesis chapter 17 from verse 4. Now God comes to Abram and he says that, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father 
of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make and I will make nations out of you, and kings will come from you. Hallelujah. In verse 15 to 16, he says, God still speaking to um, Abraham, Abraham at this time, he says that God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Amen. We see God naming things out of nothing here. For Abraham and for Sarah, he gives them a name that changes their destiny. Now let's note that the reasons their names were being changed had not happened yet. So Abraham will go around calling himself the father of nations. Meanwhile, <laughs> where are the children? It hadn't happened yet. By then Ishmael was born. Isaac, the promised son, had not been born. And that would look strange to people, wouldn't it? Sarah will be going around calling herself the mother of nations. Meanwhile, she didn't even have one child. She was old, and everybody knew that her womb was closed. But God comes and gives them that name, even when what they were looking for had not happened before. Again, when we look at um, Judges, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, From verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Really? Listen to Gideon's answer. He said, Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord had abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Then listen to the Lord. He says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In fact, Gideon was still not getting this whole thing. Pardon me, my Lord. But how can I save Israel? And I don't blame Gideon. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites, trying to get, you know, trying to make ends meet and, and, and try and survive, you know, just that day, one day at a time. And then you appear and you call him mighty warrior. He felt nothing near a mighty warrior. He was nowhere close. In fact, he was a coward who was hiding in a cave so that he will not be seen. But God comes and gives him a name and changes his vision. And we know the story about Gideon. He freed the Israelites from the Midianites. Hallelujah. And this is what God does. And this same thing is what God gives to us. Amen. Amen. In, in the New Testament, we see Jesus doing this as well. Particularly with Peter. His name was Simon. But in Matthew chapter 16, from verse 17 to 19, we see the interaction between Jesus and Simon at the time. And he says that, Simon, your name will be Peter. After uh, he had given the revelation about who Jesus was, 
He says, your name will be Peter, the rock on which he was going to build his church. Now, after that, we realize what happened to Peter, right? He was the one, he was so afraid of a little girl, a little girl. He hid, he denied Jesus, all because of a little girl. But Jesus is calling him what? The rock, a sure foundation on which he was going to build his church. Can, is this possible? Can this happen? Yes, it is, because it's by the power of the Almighty God, the God whom we serve. Amen. We see Jesus doing this with all his disciples as well. All his disciples who came to him, most of them came to him as what? Fishermen. Well, they had their own businesses, I'll say, going about doing their fishing. I think we hear of Luke being a physician and Matthew being a tax collector. <laughs> but what did Jesus do? He brought all these men together. He gave them a new identity. They became fishers of men. Amen. He, he, they dropped all that they were doing, and they began to work for God, push his gospel. Now, if you had seen these men, let's say, a year, just a year before they met Jesus, you would never have thought that these men were going to be the people to spread the gospel across the world so that even us here today have gathered here this morning, to listen to the word of God. Isn't that powerful? Just the vision, just the changing of their name, changing their purpose. It can never be done through man's ability. There's only God's ability. And that ability he has given to our men, all of us here. Today we are talking about fathers. And so we are concentrating on what you have. And this morning I'm just hoping that you'll be encouraged to really tap into this power that God has given you cause great changes, even within yourself, within your family, and within the society. Amen. As fathers, your first point of call may be your children. So for those who have children, we see it happening, sometimes even physically. You give them your name, isn't it? They bear your name. But as we are saying this morning, it's more than just a name. You give them a vision. You give them an identity. You give them a purpose. You have the power to do that. And that power has been given to you by God. When I was thinking about this, the power that men have over others, or even children, or the next generation, even your peers, I was looking at some statistics, um, a bit old, but I think still relevant. And it talked about you know, children who grew up in fatherless homes. It said that 85% of youth in prison currently grew up without fathers. It said that seven out of 10 youth in correctional facilities had no fathers when they were growing up. This is statistics from the US. It said that teen girls from fatherless houses were four times more likely to become mothers before the age of 20. It said that 85% of children with behavioral disorders came from homes without fathers. It said 90% of youth in the US who decided to run away from home had no fathers in their homes. It said that children in fatherless homes had 279% more likely, they were 279% more likely to deal in drugs or carry firearms for offensive purposes. The statistics are staggering. 
And this morning, I just want to highlight to you the power that you have within you to cause change in your home, in your community, and in your nation. Some good news that I read in that statistic said that dads are spending three times as more time with their children than that now than dads did in the 60s. And so we see the trend changing. And that is why this morning we wanted to, or we applauded our ACC men, because really you are changing the face of fatherhood across this country. God bless you. God bless you. Now, listening to all this, you may begin to feel discouraged. Maybe because you didn't even have a good example to learn from. Maybe because you feel like you yourself, you've not sorted out your identity. Or you yourself, you don't even know what your purpose is. You may be feeling inadequate and feeling, ha, ah, I'm not in the right position to do this. You may disqualify yourself because you think, I don't even have children. So maybe this doesn't apply to me. But is that the case? If you look at the examples that we read, Adam really did not have a biological father. And he named all these animals before he started to have children. So I do not think that it has anything to do with having biological children. Jesus did not have a biological father. There was Joseph. Joseph did his best. But he was human at best. He had his flaws. He almost called off the engagement, if not for the, for the intervention of the angel. He would have just, you know, gone off. But God used him. We know of Paul and Timothy in the Bible, right? Paul had no children. Well, not any that I know of. And as for Paul's father, I don't know how well he did. Because Paul turned out to be a murderer, killing people and persecuting the church. So if it was based on the example that he got from his father, then some of us might be in big trouble. But none of these matter. And do not let any of these things discourage you or put you down. Because indeed, they do not matter at all. So if they do not matter, what matters? What do you need to be able to fulfill this purpose and vision that God has given you? The common thread running through all these people, Adam, Jesus, Paul, and any other father or mentor figures that you find in the Bible, the common thread that runs through them is that they were connected to their source. Their source was God, and they had a personal relationship with him. And that is all that matters. That is all you need. A man walking with God, fully yielded, gracefully broken, totally surrendered to God. That is all God needs. And with that, he can do wonders through you. As you walk closely with him, he activates his power within you. You are equipped to empower and envision first yourself and then the generation after you. As I said, God could have named the animals himself. Why did he need Adam? But God always needs men to work with. 
He always wants to work through you. He always wants to display his power through you. So again, it's not about you. It's not about your power. It's not about what you can do. But it's about what God can do through you. Amen. I'd just like to encourage you this morning that many destinies lie in your hands, just waiting to be activated, just waiting to be empowered, just waiting to be envisioned. If only you will submit to him, if only you will yield to him, he can use you to change your family, to change your community, to change your country. And I pray this morning that you'll be encouraged to deepen your relationship with God and your walk with him. And while you do that, your eyes will be opened to all that God has brought to you to name. They are all around you, visionless, nameless, without purpose, without identity. To the human eye, they look useless. Nothing good can come out of them. But if only you will heed to the call of God this morning and take up that mantle, activate that power within you, walk closely with God in obedience to him, he will activate that power within you. He'll open your eyes to see the particular people he wants you to serve in this way. And through you, their destinies, their lives will be changed. And you know the good thing about this? While you do this, your life, your destiny, your purpose is also fulfilled. So it's a win-win situation, isn't it? As you do what God wants you to do, you are better. Everyone around you is better. And our society is better. I'd just like to end by saying that no matter your past, no matter your present, no matter what you have gone through, whether you feel you are broken, whether you feel you are whole, whether you feel you had no good example to look up to, whether you feel you are qualified or not, all that does not matter. As you walk in obedience to him, he will, through you, build more stable homes, more stable societies, and more stable nations. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.